Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I hope you guys are having a wonderful day. Welcome to DrBoyceTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. And uh, today, let me tell you, I got an interesting topic I wanted to discuss, and it has to do with Harvard. Uh, Harvard University is having what can only be considered a crisis uh, in free speech. Uh, they're, they're really struggling with are protecting the uh, the liberties of students, uh, academic freedom uh, is is dying at Harvard, which is which is very surprising given that this school is known for supposedly having the smartest uh, people in in the country. Uh, but uh, this story, I, I tell you, this this is something that just doesn't look good for the institution. And in uh, anyway, as I get started, do me a favor, please hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, subscribe. You're watching DrBoyceTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. And I'm even going to bring my wife in. My wife, you guys know my PhD is in finance. My wife's doctorate is in social work. And she's a licensed therapist and, and a full professor. And I happen to be at the All Black National Convention in Atlanta, where the Black Doctoral Network is, is, is hosting their event. And they are the largest organization in the country of black PhDs. Did y'all hear that? Did y'all hear me? Are y'all getting what I'm saying? That, that literally... Right now, as the world is kind of having these interesting events that are taking place, uh, that you have the smartest black people on the planet, the most educated black people on the planet gathering and really expressing themselves in a way that that's independent and free of the economic control of any of these racist institutions. Uh, again, no, no disrespect to Harvard or any other institution, but I, I can remember their hiring record when it came to black faculty, uh, their promotion record when it came to black faculty was so abysmal that it, it, you know, that it's pretty close to <laughs> the KKK. It's like, so a KKK level uh, estrangement of black people. But that's OK, because guess what? It's a new day, everybody. You know, black people, we're building our own institutions. Uh, we're, we're developing our own uh, spaces where we can be safe and sacred and get things done. Uh, so shout out to all the intelligent builders out here that are making things happen. Now, let's do a quick audio check. Uh, I see Terrell and Tara. Give me a yes in the chat if you can hear me okay. Give me a yes if you can hear me all right. My wife is coming in in a second, and uh, when she gets in here, uh, I'm going to let her kind of talk on this issue. Uh, but give me a quick yes. Uh, I see James Keller, Dylan Hill. Um, let's see, Pete Funkerson, uh, B. Boggs, good to see you. And uh, welcome, everybody. And, and by the way, uh, in case you guys don't know, if you want to know where our gathering space is, uh, we have a social media platform we've actually built out just for intelligent black people that want to talk about issues in a space where your freedom of speech is not going to be constrained, uh, where nobody's going to tell you what to say. And that's really important because uh, the people that own these social media platforms, they tend to decide who gets to talk about what. And I think right now it's a really sensitive sort of area, right, because uh, they have the ability to ban words and to ban conversations and try to control narratives. And uh, and again, I'm not going to tell you what to decide or what your opinion should be about the very delicate situation in the Middle East. The only thing I'm going to stand on is that you have a right to express yourself. So so if you believe in freedom of speech, if you believe in freedom of expression, uh, freedom of thought, 
etc. Uh, then feel free to join us at b1nation.us, b1nation.us. That's our social media platform. We don't let everybody in. And if anybody gets in there acting a fool, we, we push them out. We don't we don't let people come in there and troll and, and, and harm the environment. So feel free to go there. And uh, also, if you go to b1nation.us, there's actually a 76% discount on my Black Wealth Bootcamp uh, if you want to go take advantage of that. All right, so let's get started on this topic here. Uh, Claudine Gay is the president of Harvard University. Uh, Claudine is the first African-American president of Harvard, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, she I'm not even not mistaken. I'm, I have no doubt she's the first. And she is um, in the middle of a, of a controversy right now. A lot of people have very strong opinions about uh, what's going on in the Middle East. A lot of people feel that some people feel that the Israelis are more to blame. Some people feel that Hamas is more to blame. Uh, I think I, I hope we can at least agree that the Palestinian people, you know, there's if there's any blame for them, it's kind of minimal, in my opinion. Maybe you can make the argument that, hey, if you support Hamas, then whatever. Right. But I'm not going to. Here's the thing. I'm not going to sit here and tell you what your opinion needs to be. So so let's just agree right now that it's OK for us to disagree uh, and to still be friends. So give me a yes if that's OK. I'm not here to tell you what, what your opinion should be. My wife and I, we just take in information and we just like to look at the history of these conflicts. And Harvard's kind of ground zero for this right now. And uh, and I'm going to kind of give you um, I'm going to give you some some back backgrounds and uh, and just some perspective on on all of this, uh, particularly from a financial standpoint, uh, because what you're seeing at Harvard is uh, what we refer to in, in many cases as economic warfare. We talk about that a lot on this channel. We talk about the fact that the people who control the money. Typically control almost everything else. Do you get what I'm saying? You know, I wrote I wrote a lot about this in my book, The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. It's a best selling book. Feel free to go take a look You can go to drboysbooks.com. And in, in my book, I talk extensively about why a big part of the reason that that black folks don't have the power that we deserve is because we don't think enough about how to strategically acquire the resources necessary for us to be able to at least control our own spaces. We ain't got to control everybody else's space. But we got to control our own. We don't have to control everybody else's institutions, but we got to control our own. We don't have to manage anybody else's lives, but we've got to manage our own. And uh, and if you want to know what, what we're going to be talking about this whole weekend at the Black Wealth, sorry, the, not the Black Wealth, excuse me, I'm sorry, at the All Black National Convention. That's where we are right now. Uh, I'm in Atlanta for the convention right now. Uh, we're going to talk about what that looks like, what it means to acquire resources, manage resources, and use resources to defend yourself from people that will use resources or economic sanctions to try to control your behavior. The same policies that the United States uses around the world to get their way by writing big checks to everybody else, uh, ignoring black people, by the way, right? Writing $100 billion checks to Ukraine and Israel and other places and, and ignoring reparations, by the way, not even talking about the reparations call, not even talking about what black people deserve right here in this country. Uh, you know, that is a form of economic warfare. That is a, a, one tactic in which economic power is used to control policies and agendas around the world. And so Harvard University... Uh, was on my radar today because they're going through this very interesting controversy where uh, a, a bunch of student groups at Harvard. Now, Mar Dr. Maurice Green, who is the president of the Black Doctoral Network 
informed me of what was going on at Harvard. He didn't he didn't state a clear opinion one way or the other. So I'm not going I'm not pulling Dr. Green into this. But I will say that uh, that the Black Doctoral Network, very powerful organization of black PhDs, uh, they were concerned about what's happening at Harvard, because what happened was there was a, a group of students who in 35 student groups who wrote a letter condemning Israel in this uh, this thing going on in the Middle East. And as a result of that, the institution started uh, economic warfare was declared on the institution by those who write the big checks. And so after this happened, the university kind of felt the need to go out and, and, and distance themselves from the student groups. Uh, President Claudine Gay, y'all know, y'all know how it is. You know, we, we black folks, we end up getting dropped in the middle of all kinds of touchy issues and doing people's dirty work. So she comes out and makes a statement distancing herself and distancing the university from these student groups. And she was getting a lot of pressure, a lot of criticism. Uh, former President Lawrence Summers uh, actually came out and said, you know, that Harvard's behavior was inappropriate, blah, blah, blah. He, he said a lot of stuff. He said it on Twitter uh, or X, whatever it's called. And uh, and so this led to the university sort of making these statements. Now, here's the other thing that's really interesting. This is the part that's very disturbing. The students who who signed this letter challenging Israel for their for their policies in the Middle East, the students on this list. They, they've been basically doxxed and terrorized and threatened with not being able to get jobs after they graduate. Did y'all hear what I just said? Literally, let me read it to you. I'm going to read it from the, the New York Times. It says, after writing anti-Israel letter, Harvard students are doxxed. A truck with a billboard displaying their names and photos and critics uh, have also put them on a do not hire list. There's another headline where a there's a top law firm that rescinded job offers to Ivy League students over Israeli letters. Did y'all hear me? Do y'all are y'all listen? Are y'all hearing this? This is going on at Harvard University. This is supposed to be sort of this this, this amazing bastion of 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 intellectual leadership. Look at what they're doing. Look at what they're doing to those poor kids. This is crazy. This is absolutely crazy. And let me just tell you, this is not the first time Harvard's sort of been criticized for not supporting freedom of speech. I, I saw a ranking not too long ago. I got to go find the list. But they ranked Harvard near the bottom of the entire country when it comes to allowing academic freedom, freedom of thought, freedom of speech, freedom of expression. So if you're thinking about sending your child to that school, I need you to think carefully about the trade-offs that your child will have to make to fit in to this environment. That's it. I, I just want you to really think about that. And before you sort of say, oh, my God, Harvard is this and Harvard is that, is that I think we got to question some of this. Let me read some of this to you. Hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up, share, subscribe. You're watching DrBoysTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. Also, this podcast is on Spotify and Apple. So if you go to Spotify and Apple and look up my name, you can find the podcast there. Uh, so here's what uh, here's what it says here in the New York Times. It says on on, on a campus already bitterly divided, uh, the statement by the students poured acid all over the Harvard Yard. A coalition of more than 30 students posted an open letter on the night of the uh, Hamas attack saying that Israel was entirely responsible for the violence that ended up killing more than 1,400 people, most of them civilians. The letter, posted on social media before the extent of the killings was known, did not include the names of individual students. But within days, 
students affiliated with those groups were being doxxed. Their personal information posted online. Siblings back home were threatened. Wall Street executives demanded a list of student names to ban their hiring. And a truck with a digital billboard circled Harvard Square, flashing student photos and names under the headline, Harvard's leading anti-Semites. Did y'all hear what I just said? Now, look. Let me make this 100% clear, and I need y'all to give me a yes confirmation in the chat to let me know we understand each other. I am not here to tell you what to think. I'm not. Do we understand each other? I am not here to tell you that the Israelis are 100% to blame. I'm not here to tell you that. that I'm, not, I'm not here to. I'm, I don't even want to say the words Israel, Jewish, Hamas, or Palestinian in this podcast. In fact, those are the words I'm just going to avoid using because it's so deep, y'all, that they ban people from even saying certain words. That that literally, I could get doxxed. I'm already in trouble. I'm already shadow banned for being an outspoken black man. Uh, you know, like like I'm some sort of terrorist who's beating people up and and stabbing people on the street. I'm not doing any of those things. All I am is a black man, sort of being honest about my perspective on the world. I have a PhD. I'm not stupid. But but I, I don't even want to say those words online. But so just, just give me a quick yes if we understand that I am not here telling you what your opinion needs to be. I am not going to judge you based on what you believe. I believe in something that Harvard University apparently does not, which is that you have the right to express yourself in any way you see fit. I will support and protect that. What I am here to do, though, is 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 fight for what I believe in and what I believe in is black economic intelligence. What I believe in is that the strength and the success and the protection and security of the black community comes down to our commitment to economic intelligence. Uh, what I believe in is that the same way there are people who are deeply committed to defending Israel, I am also deeply committed to defending the black family. I am deeply committed to defending black institutions. I am deeply committed to offending, defending, not offending, defending black children. I am deeply committed to defending the black community, particularly those that want to do better, particularly those that want to improve, particularly those that want to build. We have to defend that. So, so that's where I stand. If you want to know what a horse I have in the game, why I'm talking about this topic, it's not because I'm sitting here wondering every day what's happening in the Middle East. I'm thinking about what's happening in the east side of Chicago I'm, 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 I, or the east side of Detroit. I'm, I'm looking at what's happening right here in the United States. I, I, I honestly, no disrespect to anybody in other countries, but uh, we got problems right here at home. We need our reparations at home. We have issues right here at home that we got to address. There's black children that died this weekend in Chicago right here at home. So so I'm not saying that, that my heart doesn't go out to people around the world who are dealing with all forms of oppression and threats and everything. I mean, I, I feel so bad for them, but I can't feel too bad for them because I got to feel bad for us first. OK, so black first. That's what that means. I need you all to understand that. Give, give me a give me a guess if that's OK. Right. So 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 here, here's the point. Here's here's why I'm talking about this topic, too. I'm bringing this topic up because I talked to you all extensively about what economic warfare looks like. We talk extensively about how economic warfare isn't just a tactic that's used around the world to control people, to oppress people, to get people to shift agendas. It's used right here in the United States. 
Uh, it's used on black people every single day. The fact that they trained you since you were a child to go and, and work for somebody who doesn't live in your community, somebody who doesn't look like you and put you all through all that stress of the corporate plantation every day. Well, that's economic warfare, black people. That's economic warfare. And, and, and so every single day, the reason I get up and I talk to you guys about these topics is because I want you to get out from under their thumb by making a long term strategic plan to develop the inf institutional infrastructure required for you to be able to liberate yourself from what they're doing to you. So, so let's circle back to Harvard. So the deal is that in with, with Harvard, what, what I see very clearly is that you have students at Harvard that naively believe that because you are a Harvard student, the university is going to guarantee you some sort of freedom of speech and freedom of expression. And, and let me tell you, I say that's naive because you obviously don't live in the real world where in this society, particularly America, a capitalist society, the people who write the big checks are the people who decide whether or not you have a right to speak. Freedom of speech is not something that belongs to people who are also looking for jobs. It just doesn't. And so what you're seeing at Harvard is economic warfare in, at its highest, in its highest form, largely due to the fact that the first thing they did to these students when they decided to speak up and say, hey, wait, wait, hold on, wait, wait, what you're doing in Israel is not right. We don't like it. And we're smart. We go to Harvard, for God's sake. So that means we should have an opinion, don't you think? Well, they, they say, no, you, you ain't got no opinion. You ain't got enough dollar bills in your bank account to have an opinion. You ain't you got to go purchase your opinion. You you ain't got a right. You ain't got enough money in your pocket to have an opinion. Asshole, if we want you to have an opinion, we will give it to you after we hire you and slap you around and tell you what to do. You better not have no opinion. That's what happens in the game of economic warfare when you have no tools and no weapon and no shield. Now I'm going to bring my wife in here in a second. She just got here and I get excited when my wife comes in the room. Shout out to the beautiful black women who keep us motivated. And my wife is a scholar. She's a full professor of social work and a licensed therapist. And she also found it really interesting. Like a lot of the, the, the individuals here at the Black Doctoral Network Conference, which is in uh, being held in the same hotel as the All Black National Convention, we're all concerned about this. I think any scholar with two brain cells is concerned about this idea that Harvard students are being told they won't get a job because they have an opinion that has not been sanctioned by certain leadership or donors of the institution. If you, if you don't understand why this is a problem, then, then please hang out and at least hear us out. And hopefully I can convince you why this is a significant issue. So let me bring in my wife. Hey, babe, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you loud and clear. I caught like the last five minutes of what you had to say. Oh, yeah. You're on fire, boys. You're fired up. I'm 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 boiling, baby. I'm mad, and, and, I, and I'm also and I'm also feeling hot right now because the sexiest black woman on earth is in the building. So, so that just oh. I mean, sexy, sexy and smart. I'm telling you. So 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 so, so, so yeah. Go, 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 go ahead, ahead, babe. No, I was just gonna say I was like going to sleep last night. Like 
where's boys? <laughs> it didn't feel right without you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, we, yeah. we do. And by the way, everybody, we do our, a podcast called Pillow Talk with Dr. Boyce and Dr. Alicia. So feel free to check that out. That's also on Spotify and um, and Apple if you guys want to listen to it. If you want, if you want to listen to two nerdy black people who love each other. <laughs> uh, so so tell me, babe, well, uh, I, I share my, my perspective and, and, and I got a chance to get that out. Um, they've heard enough from me. Uh, as a scholar, you know, how, how do you feel about sort of this idea that students at Harvard have been told that they won't get jobs because they, they don't take, you know, they, because they, they, they won't necessarily support, unconditionally support everything the Israeli government is doing? Um, do, does that concern you? And if so, why? Well, I mean, well, look, as a scholar, uh, I'm not naive enough to think that it's all just about independent thinking. All of us have to, uh, we're just here to explore various different minds. Yes, tell me your perspective. Yes, let's look at the facts. Let's look at history. Let's look at all this information and let's conclude having this intellectual conversation about what's right, what's wrong. We can pontificate <laughs> and all of those things. Those, that's very naive. And I think these students are learning the politics, right? In academia and in higher education, it's more political than anything. So that's what these kids are learning. Now, mind you, I bet their parents don't support what they're doing because their parents, I mean, just think, to get into Harvard, you have to be legacy admissions. You have to be, your parents have to have donated a lot of money. <laughs> it right. has to do right. with- Yeah, so they know, can get those fancy jobs, right? Yeah, and um, that did you share that post on your Instagram page about how the black kids got into Harvard? It was basically like my legacy admissions, my parents donated money, and I started this non-for-profit you know, to, to help mm. the poor little poor babies, the poor black babies in the ghetto. I had to help them out well, so I could well, get into Harvard, you know? <laughs> well, you know, we, uh -huh. we, 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 we can't talk too much because I know that your family is what, third or fourth generation University of Chicago. And I know that that yeah. legacy does make a difference, right? And University of Chicago, good grief. I mean, it is, it is, I'm sure they are pro-Israeli because that whole university is, they, they start their, their, the university academic year begins in October right after in, uh, in sensitivity to a big Jewish holiday in, in October. I can't remember which one it was, but it's one of those holidays. So the whole entire university is centered around the people who, um, who financially and uh, support the university. Makes sense to me. That's the politics of higher education. Well, you know, but one thing I'll say is that mm -hmm. University of Chicago impress me they're, they're clearly a better institution than harvard at this, at, in this particular point in history because i specifically remember and i the president of the university i don't remember his name at the time but i remember being impressed with the statement he made where he said if you come on this campus we believe in freedom of speech he said you cannot yeah. throw, throw rocks and hide your hand or you know attack everybody and then act like you're a victim when someone uh, counterattacks or when somebody responds to what you said because because he, he pointed this BS out a long time ago he said it, it, uh, basically what I, my interpretation was that he was saying it makes no sense that you have these liberal students that feel they can attack everybody shut down people tell them what you know what they can and cannot say and then act all offended and sad when somebody responds, right? And at that point, I saw that as more of a defense of the conservatives 
uh, you know, it's sort of saying, look, if you, whether you're liberal or conservative, you have a right to speak. That impressed me with the University of Chicago. Now, with in this case, what's interesting is that it's the conservatives who are seeking to suppress free speech among students that tend to be more liberal. Right. They, they tend to sort of empathize more with what's going on with the Palestinians. Uh, they feel that Israelis, the Israeli reaction to what's going on to Hamas's attack, which was highly problematic and unfortunate, of course. However, uh, at the same time, you cannot talk about what's going on there without really looking at the bigger picture and the whole history of it and the response, you know, in the in the Gaza Strip. You're watching hospitals get blown up and all this other crazy stuff. And, and I think that it's um, and again, I don't believe it's our right to necessarily tell people what to believe. But I think it's not all right to tell people what they can and cannot say. Yeah, I mean, I think that's true, but I'm looking at the big picture here. Like, I really think that there's a lot going on that we don't know about. Maybe we are kind of naive with what's happening. Maybe there are implications to all of this that we just mm -hmm. don't quite understand just yet. I mean, just think about how everybody was weighing in on Will and Jada. But we didn't have a whole story, <laughs> you know, we were trying to figure out what was going on. And then piece, piece by piece, all this information is now uh, being released. And Jada's still talking and Will is putting uh, messages out there, cryptic messages, but messages still. And so now we're getting a bigger picture of what's really happening with this marriage. Right. So this is the same thing going on with Israeli and the Palestinians. And I know that Biden uh, woo, I wouldn't want to be in his shoes because he does have <clears throat> he has a very sticky sort of situation that he's in. And of course, I think we as the public, we just don't know everything. So maybe it is in our best interest to let some of the people who know do, you know, maybe we do need to like step down and let some people do this. But they have to also understand uh, the side of the students and the side of the people who don't want to see wars. We don't want to see babies getting bombed and people oppressed and hospitals getting blown up. And we don't want to see this impending war over territory. And there's, you know, they're talking to us about how to get along with each other, how to negotiate, how to listen to each other, how to, um, how to uh, collaborate with people so that we can solve these issues and manage these problems. They're, we're learning all of this, but you know, it's not actually happening among the adults <laughs> in the room. Well, who should you know, be and, and, I think, mm -hmm. and I think here's the thing, right? I, I think that <laughs> in general, I, I think it's sort of one of those things where if you don't know everything that's going on, if you don't know the whole history of what's happening there and the complexities of the conflict, it's kind of there's kind of a point where you have to get off the bus if you're a naive American, <laughs> you know, who's never experienced this kind of warfare up close. Like, I, I, I've never known what it's like to live in Jerusalem, you know, and have rockets launched at me every day, right? I've never known what it's like to be, to live in the Gaza Strip and to deal with the, the atrocities they're dealing with. I mean, it's, it's a terrible life, right? And, and I think that we should all be empathetic to all that and try to understand it over time as a point of education. The reason I wanted to jump in this conversation, there were two things about the disturbing activities at Harvard, uh, this suppression of student free speech, that, that two things that bother me here or that got my attention. One is that I always thought academia was a place where you were supposed to have the ability to freely express your ideas. Uh, the lack of protection of academics or, or thinkers to, you know, <clears throat> when it comes to sharing their perspectives, even if they're not popular, uh, you know, the fact that that's being that's under assault, that these students are being bullied for giving their honest opinion should be absolutely appalling to anybody who understands just how important freedom of speech is in this country. And number two, 
uh, as a as a point uh, as a matter of point for black people, you know, because I'm here for intelligent black people. That's who I represent. Uh, you know, I, I want them to understand the realities of economic warfare and how uh, the reason Harvard University, uh, as much as they might claim to stand up for intellectual freedom and all that, all that buckles and falls to the side when somebody walks up with a bigger check. Right. The people who have the gold make the rules. And I want everybody to make sure your children understand this. This is important for black people to understand because we are often left with the illusion of inclusion. We have this these myths that are fed to us that life is fair. No, it's not. No, it's not. Life ain't fair. You get y'all get what I'm saying. Life ain't fair. Learn how to write a damn check. Get some resources, build your community, build your businesses, build your economic infrastructure. And then what you'll find is that the more economic strength you build as a community, the more life tends to be at least somewhat fair and maybe even unfair again. But it's unfair in your favor. And and I think that as black people, we don't get that. We have these these myths that, oh, if I just show up and vote for the Democrats, then somehow life is going to get better. No, it's not. Look at the evidence. Or if I go to my job and, and and they they have a statement saying that they treat black people fairly, like they treat them the same as white people, uh, then that's going to happen. No, it's not. Look at the evidence. You know, when you can't write a damn check in this society, and this is where I give credit to the people that are using their economic power to support their own agenda. What they're basically doing, it's a real straight up, it's a straight up jacking. It's like, look, we know what you're supposed to theoretically do, but just understand that your ability to even exist as an institution is dependent upon whether or not we decide to write the next check. Don't you ever get it twisted when you're playing this little fairy tale game of academic freedom. That's what I want people to understand. Go ahead, Ben. Yeah, this is an excellent lesson in that. I mean, what happened to Harvard? It's supposed to be Veritas. Isn't that like Latin for the truth? <laughs> they get the, they get the <laughs> you got you're a comedian now. I'm, I'm start calling you Miss Miss Eddie Murphy. Go ahead, man. Yeah, back. I mean, this is this is their lesson in the truth. Like, this is really what what's going on. And they need to learn. I mean, we've been watching. I mean, voice, voice, me and you, we've been so obsessed with watching Billions, Secession. We've been watching these shows. Uh, what other show? Billions, Secession, a bunch of other shows where it gets into politics and it gets into tit and tat and strategically uh, keeping things in the family and who's in and who's out. And I mean, it's an excellent lesson. So we're all learning this live and in, in vivo about these naive children who think that the Veritas is supposed to be living up to that. No, they're going to be just as jaded and cynical as a lot of us are. <laughs> Life is throwing at them. Because what are they, 20? <laughs> 21? <laughs> yeah, you're going to learn today. <laughs> you're going to learn today. You're going to learn today. You ain't learned. You're going to get it. Mm-hmm. By the way, everybody, uh, you're listening to uh, Dr. Boyce TV.com and uh, Pillow Talk Boyce and Dr. Alicia Watkins. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. This is my wife, Dr. Alicia Watkins. Dr. Alicia is a licensed therapist and a full professor of social work. And so we like to have intelligent conversations about issues that impact the black community. So if you'd like to learn more about what Dr. Alicia does, she sees clients on an individual and collective basis. Uh, feel free to go to coachingwithdralicia.com. That's coachingwithdralicia.com. And my wife is going to be joining me later on today at the All Black National Convention. We are meeting in Atlanta. Uh, it is the greatest gathering on the planet of intelligent black people from around the world. And uh, and so it's it's on now. We, we start tomorrow and we're going to be doing this all weekend in the ATL at the beautiful 
beautiful Marriott Marquis. And this is a special historic weekend because uh, the Black Doctoral Network is also having their convention here, uh, which means you get a double dose of really smart black people. The Black Doctoral Network is the largest organization on the planet of black PhDs. And this is one of the first times in history that you have had this many really super smart, highly educated black people get together to solve problems for the black community. So it's a big family reunion. It's a lot of fun. It's a great space to be in. Uh, lots of love, lots of power. So feel free to join us. Uh, go to allblacknationalconvention.com. But I don't even know if any tickets are available. I think we might have sold out, to be honest with you guys. But you could check allblacknationalconvention.com to see if anything's there. All right. So uh, so let's 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 hop in this. I, I got just a few more minutes, babe. Uh, all right. So so let me uh, let, let me just kind of re-up my position on this. So you have this whole situation going on at Harvard uh, who just has got this black president, uh, Dr. Claudine Gay. And you and I did a whole podcast about Dr. Gay not long ago because we were concerned that Dr. Gay had been instrumental in uh, in in putting pressure on uh, toward the removal of the first two African-American deans at Harvard. And they the, uh, and and the, and one of them happened to be a friend of your family. Uh, he he was a lifeguard with your brother, and we talked about this this idea that black people sometimes black people from other countries can be used as weapons to go after African American people. And I think that that spoke to the importance of as black people us distinguishing between hires of black people who are truly African-American who fit the agenda of the black family and the black community versus hiring black people from other countries and saying, Oh, well, because they have Brown skin, uh, this person from Africa or Haiti or whatever will do when the reality is that descendants of slaves have our own unique issues that don't tend to get addressed. And, uh, and, and we talked about that, right? Like the fact that her, you know, Dr. Gay, uh, happens to fit certain parts of the agenda, right? She's got the, you know, her husband fits the co complexion for the connection, similar is to- Is that her husband right there? Is that really yeah. her husband? <laughs> uh, okay. Don't, don't, let's not even get into that. I, 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 I honestly- Sorry, I'm, I'm chuckling a little bit. Yeah, I, I kind of wondered if she, I, I, I'm not going to say nothing. I'm not, because if I, the more I talk, the more I'm, I'm going to get myself in trouble. Nice. But anyway, yeah, but, 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 but you think about that, right? Look at uh, her- um, a, a black person from another country who's married to a white guy, Katandia Brown Jackson, her family's from another country. She's married to a white guy. Uh, Katandia Brown Jackson's on Supreme Court. Kamala Harris, uh, her family's from another country. She's married to a white guy. Like there's a pattern there. There's a pattern there. So to some extent, what we don't understand is that even with the acceptance of certain black people from other countries, there's still a, a, a sort of a blanket rejection of African-American people who care for the African-American community that still makes you scary and radical because they don't know what to do with us because they know that they owe us $13 trillion from what they've been stealing from us and they don't want to pay up. Right. So they sort of come up with these, these symbolic compromises that don't actually move the needle in terms of, 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 of where we are as a community. Um, I'll let you get the last word on some of this in terms of what's happening at Harvard or any, any thoughts you might have on what I just said. Yeah, I mean, look at this picture here. This picture is supposed to be a symbol of progress in America. Like these are the people, look at this couple here. This is a symbol of someone who's not subscribing to materialism, not subscribing to traditional standards of beauty. I'm sure she is very intelligent. She's probably a very nice, kind lady, but she is open to diversity. She is not the one probably. She is, uh, she is what it represents the next generation of black folks who will be acknowledged 
you know, because it's a symbol of what makes white people feel comfortable. And so this is what this picture is. And I think that we should keep lock this picture in our head because we have cracked the code, boys. Or I'll say you cracked the code. You cracked the code on what black people are going to rise. And it's going to be a black woman, typically, or a very non-threatening, effeminate uh, black man. We've cracked the code on this. And so let's just keep this in our heads and let's watch and see who else rises up to the top. You know, who else gets gets their um, good nigga sticker, as I call it. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, uh, and we'll see. Let's just see. We now have a theory. This is intelligent Black people. We got a theory that we laid out here. And now let's look at the data. The data is going to be who's going to rise up. And let's see if the data is going to fit this theory that we've now laid out. Well, you know what? And, and let me and let me kind of um, be clear. You know, I have a lot of admiration for Dr. Gay. I mean, I looked at her background. I read her whole bio. She's highly accomplished, hardworking. Same thing with Katanji Brown Jackson, Kamala Harris, all of them. Amazing people. Um, but I think that there's a difference between a a a a black person who is hired because they're black versus a black person who's hired in spite of the fact that they're black. Right. And and so effectively, when you're talking about uh, Dr. Gay, part of the reason that somebody like a Dr. Gay would literally probably be afraid like she like if I said, hey, Dr. Gay, uh, we've got a lot of other scholars and thinkers at the all black national convention. And our goal is to build for the black community. Would you like to come to this convention? She'd probably be afraid to do that. And, and then I might respond with with a smart question like, well, why, why, why does this scare you? We're not we're not bad people. We, we, we're going to give you hugs and support. We're not going to uh, you know, we're not going to do anything mean to you. Uh, well, she'd be afraid mainly because the people that write the checks see African-American people, intelligent black people as a threat to uh, to to their power structure. They see us as a threat to the fact that we do have a country that has made trillions of dollars controlling and managing African-American people. And so when you have intelligent black people who stand up and say, no, this is nonsense. We develop, we deserve the right to own things. We, des we deserve the right to have a, a better, stronger community. We deserve the right to have solid families. We deserve the right to run some schools like just like you do. People get upset with that. They get nervous with that. So, so pay attention. This is what's fascinating, right? Um, you know, I bet you there are rappers who could have more access to uh, Harvard and the elite at Harvard than there are intelligent black people who actually put the black community first. So Dr. Gay, when I see Dr. Gay, I don't see B1 or black first. I see H1 or Harvard first. Like that's what she is. And, and, and she does that very well. That's why she's the president of that institution. And I think that as black people, we have to understand the difference because if you're always letting other people put other stuff first, then you'll never get uh, a good place in line where your community is actually going to be served. But Harvard will always be well taken care of because their endowment is probably about 10 times greater than the endowment of every HBCU in America combined. Did y'all hear what I just said? I want y'all to process just how much more wealth and power Harvard has than the, the entire black community put together. And I need you to ask, is that fair? Is that the life you want to live? Is that where you want to be forever? Is that where you want your kids to be? And if the answer is no, you better fix it and you better change your behavior. It's your yeah, turn to you talk. Know, okay, yeah. So um, <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking about the mayor of um, Chicago, if I could kind of like talk about a, a rising black person. I mean, he's in a heck of a position right now where he is <laughs> under, <laughs> under, I don't 
you know what? Yeah. I, I don't need to get any of those people. Like, he's the mayor of Chicago. He's got to be the mayor of the whole entire city. Just think about how big that city is, how diverse it is. Like, he is under so much pressure to figure out what to do with these migrant workers. It's like what's called migrant workers. And I mean, he's got a real issue on his hands that he really has to address. He has to address. Like, this is right at our front door. And um, I don't even, I'm, I'm thinking if I was in his shoes, I don't know what I would do. Like, it's a, such a tough situation. And rightfully so, I saw your video um, that you reposted about someone really speaking out about what about us? And um, his hands are really tied. I kind of feel sorry for this mayor. And um, I'm going to keep an eye on um, how that whole thing progresses. But I think they are, um, hopefully somebody is getting together and coming up with some strategies on how to deal with that very real issue. And, and the political issue is very, very political. Oh, yeah. Brandon Johnson. Mm -hmm. it, I don't know what's going on with him. I'm trying to figure out what they have on him. You know, I, I, I can tell you what, what really surprised me about Brandon Johnson, the mayor of Chicago, uh, who right now is under a lot of pressure because what they're basically doing from what I'm gathering is they're letting just countless numbers of people from other illegal people from other countries come into Chicago. And they're not just bringing them all to Chicago. They're moving them into black neighborhoods. You know, they're not going to move them into the rich white neighborhoods, rich white people. They they will support this this endless immigration in theory, but they don't support it in practice, right? They don't say, hey, move that person into my house or in my neighborhood. So, so what has been going on in Chicago, in case y'all haven't been keeping up, is that they've been putting these individuals into black neighborhoods. And on top of that, to add insult to injury, they're writing massive multi-million dollar checks to take care of these people that didn't live here last month. And you've got a community full of people, full of black people that have been begging for decades for infrastructure investments in their communities. I mean, it is absolutely appalling. And, and so with this brother, Brandon Johnson, what really shocked and surprised me with him is that he actually I was a little bit duped. You know, I saw a video of him years ago where, where he was before he became all political and stuff. And he said some stuff where I said, OK, this guy sounds like he gets it. He understands. And I and I believe that that part of him is still there. But what we have to understand, black people, is that you can never mistake a black leader for a Negro with a job. You can never mistake a black leader for a person that has a job. Think about this. If I if if if, if I if I love my cousin and I know my cousin loves me and my cousin usually has my back. But let's say that I see my cousin and he is in a McDonald's uniform. And McDonald's has a strict policy that says you cannot give away any free food or you will lose your job on the spot. We have hidden cameras run by AI. So if you try to sneak a cheeseburger to your cousin, uh, we're going to fire you right there that day. Well, let's just be clear. Your cousin is not going to feed you. You might be thinking, but well, that's my homeboy. He's got my back. You know, we grew up grandma's house. All no, he ain't giving up his He's he's not your cousin in that moment. He's he's a he's a guy in a McDonald's uniform who is not going to represent the family's interest. He's going to represent McDonald's interest. So what you have in the black community uh, and this is where we have to be very thoughtful and very careful is you have a lot of high profile black people who are walking around in McDonald's uniforms and you think they represent the black community first. Well, no, they represent the interests of their employers. 
So there is somebody that's got big money <clears throat> and big leverage on this brother to the point where they have zombified. They turned him into a zombie. They have hijacked this black man and turned him into a person who is blatantly and blanketly disrespecting the people who took care of him before he became this big, bad, important mayor of Chicago. So, so the lesson to me, in my view, is be careful about chasing these stupid jobs and these stupid titles. You know, I want to be Harvard. I want to be the president of Harvard, and then I'll be somebody. I want to be the mayor of Chicago, and then uh, then I'll be important. I want to be a, a senior manager at Google, and, and then I, I will have made it, y'all. No, you are somebody before you walk in that door. And in fact, if you're not careful, you could that that walking through that door can zap you of everything that made you relevant to the world in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I just think about it because I have a really good friend who was mayor of a major city. And if you talk to her for one second about politics, she uh, she will look at you with this face. <laughs> like, I don't even want to even get into it. And she's super intelligent. She's super talented. She is competent and just everything that you would ever need in a person who would go into politics. And she did a a sentence, and I want to call it a sentence, in politics in various different areas in, in Illinois. And she's just like, never again. I don't even want, I would never, ever run again. And she is someone who could really actually make a difference. But she got in it, and she saw how ugly it was and how terrible everything ended up being. And she's very, very, as I say, bitter <laughs> about how she was treated, how unfairly she was, things were thrown at her. I mean, I don't know if black people have the stomach, if we have the stomach to really endure what it's like to be in politics, what it's like to be in the political world of academia. And um, yeah, so, and even if that uh, the president of Harvard came to the All Black National Convention, I'm not certain she would have a message for us that would really push the agenda forward. Like I'm not even certain if she was placed in front of us, if she would land in us in a place where we would feel empowered i'm not certain honestly. well, well so you know well, she she wouldn't be <laughs> she wouldn't be somebody i'd invite because um i've trained myself to not care that you're the president of harvard that doesn't mean anything to me that means that doesn't mean you've done anything for black people that means you did you did something for harvard you know so if i'm if i'm harvard first if i'm if i'm if i if harvard is is part of my soul and that's what i care about then of course you, you know i admire everything you've accomplished but you know, we got to get past this idea that our most successful black people are the ones who've been stamped and validated by white people. Uh, sometimes those are our least effective black people because they're heavily distracted. You understand? You know, like, like, um, you know, like, like, you you know, if, if I'm your husband and I'm team Alicia, uh, I can't say, well, you should honor me because I went off and married another woman. You know, no, that that's that's me. I have a conflict of interest at that point. At that point, I am uh, in another woman's house. I'm taking care of another family. I'm not taking care of your family. So why would you honor me as if I was really, you know, th the man of your house when I clearly don't live in your house and I clearly can't. Uh, there's only 24 hours in a day and most of my day is spent taking care of somebody else's house. So a lot of the reason that the black house, black people's homes or our community as a house is not taken care of is because most of our most successful black people are off giving their absolute best to other people. And we don't know the difference because we somehow uh, believe that white validation makes us more worthy. 
And uh, and I and I really believe and, and understand and this is what we represent here at the convention is that the people that are most meaningful to the black community are the people who are pouring their energy, their time, their expertise into the black community. The Chinese did that when the Chinese uh, economy was failing and everything else. They said, we don't care what you're doing for the rest of the world. We don't care if you're in America making a bunch of money and doing all this great stuff for America. Good. Go, go talk to them. They said, we want to know what you're doing for China. That's how we measure what what caliber of a Chinese citizen you are. Black people have to take that same paradigm. And here's the other thing about politics, babe. Politics, academia, all that stuff, it can be fun, but you have to be the person writing the check. You have to be the person in control of those institutions. Like, so for example, when I was on the faculty at Syracuse University, it wasn't that much fun for me. But if I if I if people like me with my same values ran that institution, I would have had a blast. I would have been embraced. I would have been awarded and applauded for the work that I was doing. But the reason that they had a, a concern about me being there uh, for good reason is that I wasn't out here trying to do the things that they that they consider to be important. I wanted to do things for the black community and the the black community does not have the economic infrastructure to support people that want to do the best work. Uh, for our people. That's why we have to learn economics so we can build those institutions in those spaces where you're going to be uh, not just accepted despite the fact that you're black, you're going to be rewarded because you're extra black. And, and this is something I want everybody to understand. So no disrespect to any of these people that we're talking about. Uh, I feel sorry for Claudine Gay. I really do. I feel sorry for Brandon Johnson. I wouldn't want to be in his position, uh, but, but I, I can tell you what, we got people in the community that are getting it done. And those are the ones I applaud. So um, I'll let you get the last word, babe, and then uh, we'll bounce on out of here. Uh, any final thoughts on Harvard in this whole situation where students are not getting jobs because they don't agree with everything Israel does? Uh, what, what would you say to those students if you were talking to them in terms of sort of how to respond to this? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? I think that's a little extreme. I mean, to actually post their names, I heard you say, and to say, do not hire these individuals, I think that's a signal to us that this is way more serious than we know. Like, it's almost like, it's almost like stand down. This is how, because usually you got people at Harvard protesting all the time and coming up with position statements. I mean, they don't have, they got time on their hands. You know, they're in there and they're thinking and they're learning about history and they're doing what they think is right to do. You know, they're a little, um, shiny eyed and bushy tailed and ready to like dive in and change the world. Like I love that. That's why I love teaching college students. You know, it's really adorable, you know, to some extent. But I think that if they're able to clamor down really hard with a hammer to say, do not hire these individuals, it's not about not hiring these individuals. The real message that I'm taking away from that is that this is a lot serious. This is way more serious than we think. There must be mm -hmm. something else brewing. There's something else happening. There's an X factor here. And I think that maybe we should pause and be like, oh, okay, you that serious. It's like it's like when your mama get upset with you about something and usually you can get away with it, but then she really look at you serious like, no, you need to come on here. Like, it's almost like, oh, <laughs> let me just stop and do what they say, you know, mid-sentence. Okay, I can see, I can read the room and I can tell this is way more, this is beyond my pay grade and there's some things happening that I don't understand because everybody's been kind of whispering about the, uh, I don't even want to say it, you know, this possible big 
WW3, you know? <laughs> we don't yeah. want any of that to happen because I live a very comfortable life. I don't want anything to disrupt that. So maybe these Harvard students, um, and they put it out in the news and they don't care. They don't care if you like it or not. This is what we're telling you. What you gonna do? Not go to Harvard and go to another school? Go right on. You're gonna go somewhere else? You know, so that's that's what that's telling us. I think it's a really good message that this is really getting serious. Well, you know, it is getting serious. And uh, and as I was reading here in the New York, New York Times, uh, there, there's been a lot going on. The University of Pennsylvania donors are pushing for the resignation of the president and the board chairman after a Palestinian writers conference on campus invited speakers accused of anti-Semitism. Um, I, th I think the one problem that they have is that uh, because th that economic muscle gets flexed so readily uh, in, in such abundance, uh, that, that that term anti-Semitism has uh, they've really kind of watered it down. And it's, it's unfortunate. They've kind of made it to the point where literally, uh, you know, in the minds of some anti-Semitism kind of just means not agreeing with every single thing that they say. That if you disagree on any level it, with any of their policies or anything that they do or that they believe, then you're going to be accused of anti-Semitism. And I think that the people are kind of getting tired of it. I think people are starting to stand up and say, no, this is nonsense. And uh, and I just identify really clearly because my background's finance. I see, OK, this is economic warfare. This is a community that has uh, really, really maxed out on their ability to control media, to control money and uh, and to use that money. Uh, to uh, to maintain power. And uh, and I, you know, to some extent, you know, I, I applaud it. I say, OK, that's good. Good for you. You know, I think that this is something that black people can actually learn from and we should be taking notes. However, another thing you should be taking note of is 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 what might be considered the abuse of power. Uh, you know, when you're suppressing and oppressing people's individual liberties, you know, because they just said, hey, I think you're wrong. Well, th then that's wrong. Right. And the only ability, the only time you have that ability to truly fight that level of oppression is if you have some form of economic independence. Right. So if I'm a Harvard student and they're telling me, hey, if you use your freedom of speech, you're not going to get jobs with certain companies. Well, you know what? That's where things like uh, investing and uh, what we do in the black business school, that's where it's so important. I've explained uh, countless times to everyone who listens, and I hope that they're paying. I hope you're paying attention because you got to do this now. If you do little things like invest that that five dollars a day, which you go to boyswalkins.com and get the five dollar a day plan, it's totally free. Or just text the word stock to three one nine nine six. I'll send it to you. I'm a finance professor. I know this stuff, right? Uh, I'll put it on the screen. Text stock to three one nine nine six, and you can get a copy of it. Uh, basically, <clears throat> a parent who uh, who invests just even as little as five dollars a day for their child when they're born. By the time that child is 20 years old, they've got, uh, I want to say, somewhere around $100,000 liquid, right? So a kid who's got $100,000 in the bank has more freedom of speech than a kid who has $0 in the bank. Do you understand what I'm saying, right? A, a, a young person who is financially secure has more options, freedom, and flexibility than somebody who is buried under student loans. Give me a yes if you follow what I'm saying. Uh, when you are buried under student loans, and you are sweating over your next paycheck and you don't have any options, then let me just tell you what you better do what those folks say when they say jump, you better say, well, how high massa, how high massa, because if you get, get to get to talking slick, you know, cause you have somehow been deluded into believing that freedom is free. You somehow think, well, I'm, I have a right to free speech. I don't need no money. I, I can say whatever I want. Well, there's going to be a consequence for that. And it might be a price that you're not able or willing to pay. So make a choice. 
either uh, let people, you know, shut you down and oppress you for the rest of your life or have an economic plan so that when things get too hot, you can just walk away. You know, that 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 to me, that was the greatest, most important decision I ever made in my life. I uh, in, in my experience uh, trying to, you know, deal with the stuff that involved uh, going for tenure and all that in academia. I didn't like it because it was a lot of work doing, you know, doing things that I didn't think were going to make a big difference in society, weren't going to help the people that I cared about. And um, and just wasn't work I enjoyed that much. I, I was good at it. I put a lot of time into it, but I didn't want to do it. I didn't want to do the whole tenure dance and, and not explore all the gifts I felt that God gave me. I said, God gave me the ability to uh, have some insights that I think can really benefit millions of people. And you're stopping all this because you got me worried about whether or not I'm going to get this stupid job. And so I figured out one day, perhaps in a dream, I don't know, but God sent me that message. And he said, he said, boy, if you want to be free and to really reach your potential, you better learn how to pay your own damn bills. And that was hard for me because I never imagined a, a reality where I could survive financially without a white man paying my bills. That, that's how that's how brainwashed we are as black people. So I realized what my next mission was. I said, if I can solve this one problem, then I'm going to be free. If I can fix this one thing, I can have freedom for the rest of my life. And what was that one thing? That one thing was to be economically independent and find a way to make enough money to pay my bills and not have to get up and go work for anybody. And then I said, if I can do this, then I can be the person that I believe God meant for me to be. So a lot of y'all in here listening, you're not you're not reaching the potential that God set for you. You're not being the person that you're supposed to be. You're you're being a cheap imitation of yourself because the person paying your bills, that little three, four, five thousand dollars a month, is is controlling your ability to do the things you want to do, put time into the things you need to put time into, to say the things that need to be said, and to do the work that you know your community needs you to do. So I'm just doing a quick call to arms for anybody out here that's understanding what I'm saying. I'm shouting out into the universe to, to anybody listening to say that we must, as black people, we absolutely must create financial plans for ourselves and for our children so we can be free of this nonsense. That means uh, to make it very simple. And thank you, uh, Bae, for letting me get this out. I'm, I'm going to stop talking because I, I know this this gets me going. Number one. Every black child in America should learn how to start a business by the age of 12 so they don't have to work for people and beg for jobs in order to survive. You shouldn't be begging your oppressor to pay your bills. That's a recipe for disaster. Number two, we should be buying shares of stock for our children before they're born or on the day that they're born as early as possible. Because if you do that consistently, every economic model I know shows that by the time your child is 20, 25 years old, they're going to have more, more money than most white people. Number three, ownership is the key to power. Uh, the reason that the, the, the that that community is able to put that pressure on Harvard and Yale and all these other institutions and put them back in line on this whole controversial conflict is because they have harnessed their economic power. And I ain't mad at them for it. I ain't mad at them. I'm pointing it out, but I'm not mad at them because I because I, I'm, I'm realistic about how this game is played. And so if you want to play this game of power in, in, in this world, if you want to play this game of freedom. Uh, in fact, I tell you that if you don't have an economic plan, the word freedom uh, should not even come out of your mouth. Uh, that's that's my reality from what I see as a person who is very clear on my understanding of how capitalist societies operate. That's it. That's my two cents. Thank you all for listening. And, uh, babe, I appreciate you joining me. I, I didn't know I was going to rant this much. And so no, I uh, think it's great. You're like the Mr. Harriet Tubman. Uh, freedom. You just laid out, laid it out of how to be free, and I think it's great. Yeah. <laughs>
There we go. <laughs> yeah, yeah okay. I mean, it is. It's a Mr. Harriet Tubman. And I talk about, you know, what I do with my clients. I feel like I'm the Harriet Tubman of your pain. I will deliver you from your pain. <laughs> because pain is great. <laughs> like, you need to, like, really, like, we all been told certain things. And you have to go through pain in order to realize, okay, I need to go this other direction. And sometimes this other direction is exactly what you just laid out for people. But the pain process is what's necessary for change to happen. So you just have to thank it. But that means that you don't have to stay in that situation and suffer for the rest of your life. Suffering is optional. Pain is not. Pain is a beautiful opportunity to grow and to go in another direction. Well, you know what? As our, yeah. as our, good, as our, as our good friend Kanye West <laughs> uh, always says, <laughs> you know, because last year at this time. Me You're conjuring Kanye, him up now. <laughs> yeah, we were we were on the phone. I, yeah, it was an interesting conversation to talk to him, you know, but but remember that song, la 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 la. Wait till I get my money right, right. Uh, I think that that, yeah. that that should be an anthem for anybody that wants to be free. So if you want to be free, get your money right and uh, and get your economics straight. That's that's the pathway for freedom to black people, in my opinion. So anyway, um, but but my heart goes out to everybody who's dealing with this conflict. Um, I think again, it should be impressed upon us uh, how tragic this is for both sides and uh and and i just pray for everybody that's affected and i hope that these stupid politicians uh can endorse policies that will preserve life as opposed to destroy it uh and that's that's really what i want not just for the middle east but i really want that for the world because this conflict's very serious and it could escalate so i encourage you guys to keep up with this so uh, god bless you guys thank you so much for listening and thank you babe for um for hanging out with me today i really appreciate it yeah, it's a big deal. I got like a hundred things I got to do before I get on this airplane tonight. <laughs> oh yeah, you did. And, and you, you oh took my that gosh. Time and I, well, I appreciate you taking that time out for me. All right. So everybody, right. Uh, do, do us a favor. Please hit the thumbs up button. Uh, Dr. Alicia Watkins, her website is coachingwithdralicia.com. She sees clients on an individual basis and a collective basis. So if your family's having some challenges, uh, conflict resolution issues, things like that, or you have a relationship trouble, uh, she's your girl. Uh, you can go visit uh, coachingwithdralicia.com. But I use that term girl lightly because she's a full professor of social work and a licensed therapist. And she's been doing this stuff for uh, t- over two decades. So she's damn good at what she does so feel free to go to coaching with dr alicia.com my website is boycewatkins.com my new book is called the 10 commandments of black economic power it's an amazon bestseller it's going to be on audible in the next two weeks so you can feel free to look for it there and also don't forget this podcast is on spotify and apple so if you look up boyce watkins on spotify and apple you can find us there so have a great day everybody god bless you uh we will see you soon take care now peace Here we are, clan the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now family, we the ones who gotta delegate. Get that money in the power, never be fake. Stick to co-sign for three, what did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten. Three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is bliss, but we can turn it to intelligence. Please, none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down here on Dr. Boyce TV. Here we are.